Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 68. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Hope that you're having a great week. Uh, We're into week nine of this COVID-19 pandemic and I tell you what, I'm ready to get back to (laughs) the way things used to be. (laughs) Uh, I'm a person that thrives on chaos. I really kind of like it whenever my plans get messed with and I have to adapt. I I like the chaos and, uh, you know, just I did improv comedy whenever I was in college and that's just kind of my thing. I enjoy making things up. But We've kind of gotten into this routine now, and it's just it's just been challenging. I love my wife. I love my kids. Um, but there's always that need for a little bit of time away while I'm at work. And so um, on April 7th, we pulled our kids out of the babysitter, uh, just decided that it was safer to do that. And so for the entire month of April, we had the kids at home. And I know some of you, that's you're used to that. For us, it was an adjustment. Um but last week we were able to take the girls back for a couple days and I'm back in the office able to get a few more things done and that's been good. The thing that's been helpful and hurtful has been turkeys. Um, <laughs> those uh, little little goobers have messed with me. It's been helpful to get out in the woods, but I will say I think I've overdone it. Um, I know that those of you that have listened to me before know that that's probably no shock. Um, Went out with a recurve bow, which was not helpful at the start because I have to get them in super close. I had a couple encounters. The birds just this year, from everybody that I've talked to, um, they're just, maybe it's an excuse I'm making, but they're just not doing what they've done in the past. Um, they're not as easy to get to get them to, to commit. And uh, they've been henned up, and, and that always happens, but usually there's one or two birds that slip up. Um, but that just hasn't happened this year. Uh, my best opportunity, I'll tell you that story real quick, and then we'll get into our interview. Um, I had um, I was sitting up on the upper part of what we call the killing field. It's a great up, great field where we've killed a lot of birds. And um, right at sunup, I let out just a couple tree calls. And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, two hens hit the field. I'd heard gobblers down at the bottom, so I thought it was a good opportunity. Well, these two hens came sprinting into my Jake and hen decoy. Never had uh, hens do that before. Um, one was three yards away the other was 10 and the one that was 10 I realized had a little tiny beard and I thought that's a legal bird right there I could shoot that hen and so I just got locked on those hens and I didn't have a lot of cover between me and them I'm out in an open field I just have a little bit of a blind I'm not sitting in a blind I'm sitting in like a in a chair with a couple sticks and stuff in front of me logs that we'd piled up and they move off to my left a little bit I tried to draw they caught my movement and took off it was just a dumb move I didn't realize how dumb it was until I looked back to my right and halfway uh, up the field is a tom in full strut headed toward my decoys. He caught the movement as well and turned around, um, did a 180, and left the field. Uh, and it was so frustrating because that was probably my best chance. He was committed. He was coming to the decoys. He was following those hens. They were going to lead him right past. I, I probably would have had a chance at him. Um, but it did not pan out. I've had a few other encounters where the birds were close but just didn't commit, but it just hasn't panned out this year. And I've I've hunted way more than what I probably have in the past, way more than what I should have. And um, just once again, you just kind of learn that if you get, a, you just can get so, um, 
I don't know, obsessed over killing an animal that you forget to just have fun. And I think I've done that. So last week I've chilled out a little bit, gone less, tried to enjoy my hunts more. And uh, it's been good. It's been good. There's definitely been a plenty of opportunities and plenty of birds. I just am learning that I'm still a rookie whenever it comes to calling these, these goobers in. So that's the story. Um, uh, there's about a week left here in Ohio, so uh, maybe next uh, week I'll, I'll have a success story for you. But right now the success is just learning. And um, so that's that. Uh, today we have a guest on. He's an 18-year-old young man that has plenty of good stories. His name is Andrew Hoggard. Uh, Andrew wanted me to let you know uh, that he does in this, uh, he wrote me after the podcast, and he mentioned that uh, he had said that turkey... You can hunt turkeys until 11. He said it's actually 1, uh, but he wanted to clarify that. He felt bad about saying something that wasn't true, and so he wanted me to let you. And that's just the kind of guy Andrew is. So we're going to jump right in. Here's Andrew Hoggard. All right, guys. I have Andrew Hoggard on the line here from Missouri. Andrew, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good. Good. What are you into this fine evening? Uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> Seems to be just about everybody's answer right now. There's not a lot going on. Nope, can't turkey hunt, so. Can't turkey hunt? Why can't you turkey hunt? Because uh, here in Missouri, you can only hunt till 1 in the afternoon. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, Ohio. It's noon, and it used to be for the first two weeks, and they actually uh, gave us a break. So I think starting on the 26th or 27th, we're able to hunt in the afternoons, so. That's well, uh, see, see if we can catch that lonely gobbler there in the afternoon. Here in Missouri, it was like 11 uh, whenever I first started hunting, and then they changed it to one not too long ago. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a little better. A yeah, little better. Is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's nothing like, like some guys, they'll, they'll sleep in. They're probably smarter than what I am. I've been running ragged because I've been getting up so early, but, you know, they'll sleep in and they'll go out there between 10 and 2, and that's whenever you catch that lonely gobbler out there. That's a, that's a good time. I hear it's the best. Yeah. Well, Andrew, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do in uh, Missouri. Give us a little introduction to who you are. Uh, I am Andrew Hoggard. I am 18 years old. I am supposed to graduate this year. Well, I probably won't walk, but I'm going to graduate, and uh, my dad's a pastor, my mom's a teacher up at school, and uh, we have, a, or I have a younger brother and two older sisters. So, big family. Yep. Yep. Cool. So, 18, do you have a, a job, anything that you're doing right now to make a little money? Oh, yeah, I'm uh, working at a horse barn. Okay, cool. And what's your what's your job there? Are you the uh, chief uh, pooper scooper, or is there other words, other things that you do? Well, right now I'm the chief pooper scooper, but sometimes I feed and water and do all kinds of sorts of stuff. Oh, that's great, man. That's cool. Anything to make a little money right now is a good thing. I, I think that's one of the things this uh, Corona deal has kind of taught us is having. You know, being able to put some money down, you know, is a good thing because there's a lot of folks that unfortunately just haven't been able to keep a job. So I'm glad that you have been able to. So what's uh, what's life like down there in Missouri whenever it comes to hunting? Give us a little bit of your your hunting background and then I want to dive right into some of your hunting stories, man. Uh, Well, turkey season is pretty slow right now, but deer season is usually pretty hot. Like the bucks usually 
chase the does pretty early, I'd say. Mm-hmm. About for fourth is when they really start chasing real good. Yeah. But good. Uh, I grew up in Texas, so I didn't start hunting until I got to Missouri, but I hunted with my dad, which I just went out there in the woods with him in Texas. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of them stories if you want me to tell them. Yeah, go ahead. Love to hear them. Well, I started hunting when I was in about first grade. I'd go out with my dad and sit inside the hunting blind. I'd mostly sleep during the hunts because they were kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one day we were walking back, and uh, I heard this noise that sounded like a water drop hitting water. You know what that sound is? Oh, uh, water? No. Well, it's it's kind of like a putt from a turkey. Oh, okay, yeah. And like I didn't know that at the point in time, and my dad went to go find the turkey. So I was just sitting there next to a tree, clueless, because I'm only in first grade, and uh, he didn't get anything. So then we went uh, back later that season, and he asked me if I could sit on a tree and be still. I was like, of course. I mean, I'll probably sleep anyway, but I'll try. <laughs> and uh, first two gobblers flew down, and uh, he's like, which one did we take? I didn't know no better, so I just said the first one that comes up, and it was a smaller gobbler, not quite a Jake. Probably like a four-inch beard on him, and uh, he shot him, and I was so ecstatic, and uh, then a hen was kind of out in the distance, close enough for him to shoot, but she was just lingering around. I was like, why don't you shoot that one? He's like, it's a girl, and I kept on saying, just shoot it, just shoot it, but <laughs> it's a hen, but he couldn't shoot it. That's funny. And then, uh, uh, that's cool, man. Then uh, when we moved to Missouri, he let me carry a gun and hunt because I got my uh, license and went through the training and all that. And uh, we hunted for a couple years, didn't get anything. And every single time we went out, I thought of a better plan, like my own kind of plan that I would do, which we never tried because, I mean, I kind of let him call the shots. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what was the plan? I want to jump into that. What was the plan that you had as compared to, to your dad's plan? Like how I'd set up the decoys differently and how I'd get closer. Okay. And I'm like the type of guy that I like going out there whenever the gobblers are gobbling. Like as soon as they start gobbling, I like to be out there. Yeah. Cause I don't like to sit out there for a long per- periods of time anyway. Yeah. And uh, then I went on my first solo hunt, and I kind of chose to do what my plan was. And uh, two gobblers uh, walked up five yards behind me on a little path, and I was my adrenaline was so high that like I tried to pull up my gun. I then I was like, no, I'll just let them walk through the decoys. So they walked through the decoys, and uh, I pulled my gun up to my shoulder. And I forgot the safety. 
And so I took the safety off, and then I tried firing, and I heard click, click. I was like, oh, crap. And then my mind went to how I crossed the fence, so I unloaded my gun, and I forgot to reload it. Oh, no. Because <laughs> usually, usually I unload, I unload the gun to where I can uh, cross the fence. Because I was trained that way. Yeah, that's a good safety tip, I think, for guys to hear. It's just a matter of... <laughs> I, I would love to say that I've never forgotten to, to uh, put the, the bullets in, but I have done that, man. So did you get a chance to shoot at them, or were they gone? No, they walked away. Oh, man. At that point in time, I was so disappointed that I just kind of let them walk away. Mm. And then about the ending of the season, uh, on a Sunday morning, because uh, I, I only had Saturdays and Sundays because I had to go to school. And so uh, it was like half an hour after daylight, and a bearded hen came rolling down a hill that I was like I was at the base of the hill and she came rolling down the hill and I was so confused so I looked back and she started putting and so I was kind of like oh crap my hunt's over because a hen putted at me and then uh I heard a gobbler and I called back and he started gobbling back and I was kind of happy because I mean I still had a chance to hunt and uh, he walked up uh, with a Jake, and the gobbler kept sitting behind one of my dad's decoys that I took up, and mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't, I couldn't ever get a clear shot. But then the bearded hen started putting again, and so they, the gobbler started walking off in the opposite direction, so where I still couldn't get a clear shot. So I shot the Jake off of a decoy that he was standing on. Oh, wow. That's yeah, awesome. That, that was fun. <laughs> just rolled off the decoy. Oh, man, that's sweet. I have not done that yet. I've had uh, one Tom came in and smacked my, my Jake decoy. That's And that, other than that, I have not had him come and, and stand on top of him or any of that crazy stuff. So that's pretty cool. Your first bird, you roll him off of a decoy. Yeah, that was three years ago. Oh, man. That's sweet. And, uh, he, he was actually sitting on top of the Jake decoy, which was even cooler. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. And then uh, I called Dad, and he was excited, and I was excited. I mean, I was yelling through the phone. He just woke up, so he was kind of groggy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was kind of mad that I woke him up, but then he was kind of proud at the same, at the same time. Yeah, and mm. I, I haven't got a turkey since I went out every season, and they are tough, man. I will say that. Like um, one thing I'm learning this season so far um, is like about the time that you think you have gobblers figured out, <laughs> all of a sudden they throw you a curveball, and it is just hard. Like this, 
like last year I had the first four hunts were just dynamite. I think we, for, I was four for four on filming people killing turkeys. I killed turkeys. It was, and now I've, I think I've hunted four times and I've, I've bumped two birds. I've had birds hang up and won't come in for who knows what reason. And just, just been tough, you know, and that's the thing about turkeys. They're, they're tough. So whenever you, I mean, sometimes it's super easy. They'll come in and stand on top of your decoy, but yeah. uh, there's other times that it's just, uh, a tough way to hunt so have you had any any luck uh, chasing deer you mentioned deer a little bit ago uh yes i went uh i i had to learn deer hunting by myself because my dad doesn't really deer hunt all that much and so i watched videos and i tried trial and error and my very first bow season i took shots that now looking back i shouldn't have taken them shots mm-hmm and, like, now I wouldn't even take them because, like, one of them, uh, I had to lean halfway out of my ladder stand around a tree to shoot. Mm. That's, yeah, that's, that's a tough that's a tough shot and tough angle for sure. Yeah, and I, I shot right over the doe's back. But then uh, the next bow season after that, so two years ago, I, I didn't take too many shots because I was not too confident in my shots after the last bow season, even though I practiced. So I didn't really shoot all that much. I kind of learned more about deer hunting that season. and Then uh, gun season rolled around. This is the very first season I gun hunted. And uh, November 10th, I missed a doe, about a 70-yard shot. Took three shots at her and still missed. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, that that will hurt your confidence level for sure. It was the first snow of the season, and like I, I ran over there looking for blood and everything, and nothing. Mm. Uh, and then uh, November eleventh, I went hunting, and uh, I woke up late. I think it was about. 6.30 I woke up so I didn't get out till about 7.30 and my dad and my sister were telling me I wasn't going to get anything and I always pray before I get out into a field before I start hunting so I was praying as I was walking and uh, as I was walking to my stand I used a Primos can call and uh, I was in the stand for about 5 minutes and I look up and there's a deer standing at 40 yards and I couldn't tell what the deer was, whether it was a doe or a buck. But I took aim and shot, and uh, I spine-shotted the deer. Because the 30-30, whenever you shoot, it has like an arch at first, and then it kind of levels out. Mm-hmm. And so I spine-shotted it, and it just fell over. And as soon as it fell, I could see antlers on it. And I was ecstatic, because I didn't ever think I'd ever get a buck. I wasn't too worried about getting a buck. I just wanted a deer. Yeah. And so, uh, I was so happy that I about fell on my deer stand. I was calling dad, telling him, and I was running back up to the house. I just left the deer there because I didn't know if it was, you know, like expire or what. I didn't know if I expired it right away or if it yeah. still had. So, 
I came up here, got my four wheeler, and I went back down, and uh, I realized that the deer should have ran out into the field because then I could just put it on my four wheeler and go. But these woods that I'm hunting on, I had to ask permission, and I'm not allowed to drive like vehicles onto it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd drag it 200 yards out of the wood patch. And this deer, I think it weighed about 250 without the guts in it. Wow. That's a big deer. Yeah. It, it had a pretty thick neck. Like, I was surprised. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, no, I was just going to, I just thought that was crap. Something I'm picking up on that's kind of neat is you had a pretty rough season, season before, and then you miss a doe three times. And I, I think for a lot of guys, you know, that's that's going to mess with your, your confidence. That's going to frustrate you. But you still keep going. And one of your next hunts, you, you put down your first deer, which just happens to be a buck. That's I'll just say that's pretty cool, man. That's good resolve and way to keep at it. Yeah, the Lord really blessed me with that deer. Yeah. So so you get your buck. I cut you off there. Go ahead. And so uh, you can only imagine a 100-pound a uh, five foot three inch boy dragging a 250 pound deer 200 yards <laughs> like, i'm trying to picture that <laughs> like i had ratchet straps and everything hooked up to trees that way i could help drag it and it was awful because i'm sitting there trying to like backpedal with it and everything and the antlers are getting in the way and it was rough yeah and I, I finally get out of the field and then I have to put it on my four-wheeler. And I don't know if you have a four-wheeler or anything, but getting mm-hmm. a deer on a four-wheeler is pretty tricky. Yes, it is. And keeping them on the four-wheeler once you get them up there is hard, too. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm playing Twister with this deer on a four-wheeler. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I probably fell off the four-wheeler about five times just trying to get the deer on. Hmm. <laughs> that's and, funny and, uh, dad dad already heard that I shot it and he, I really didn't know the point like how many points it was I just knew it was a buck and so as soon as I figured out the points I called dad up and I was like it's a 13 point deer he's like what no way I was like yeah so we both kind of had a moment where we were both excited and everything and uh Uh, I get it back up to the house and we start skinning it out and I find out that all the meat's like rotten. Oh no. Like, cause it was an old deer. I asked mm. the conservation agents about how old it was cause we had to take it up there for the chronic waste and disease check. And yeah. they said it was probably about a nine and a half to ten and a half year old deer. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's really, that's an old, old deer. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, cause they couldn't, they just checked by the teeth and all that. Like, it was missing a lot of its bottom teeth. Mm. And so, uh, the meat's rotten, and I take it to one of my friends to European mount it, and he does like a wet, uh, and, uh, whatever the inch, like, I don't know how to describe it, the 
how many inches it is. Right, yeah, score it. The wet score. Mm -hmm. It scored about 160-something. Wow. And once it dried up, it kind of lowered the score quite a bit. But uh, I was so happy with that deer. And then yeah. the next season rolls around, I catch a deer on my trail camera. And it looks a lot like the deer that I shot the season prior, the buck, but it has more tines to it. So I figured that it was like his son or something. And I took it to my friend that did the scoring. He said that's probably a 200-inch deer. Whoa. Yeah. That's like, big we don't, time. We don't feed the deer. It's just all natural here. Yeah. Like, they just get fescue fields is what they uh, roam on. That and a lot of acorns. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to I go back to your buck real quick. Um I want uh, before we move on. I just think about that story. What's neat? You talked about you praying uh, that God would send you, you know, a buck, or we're praying, you know, just before every hunt. And I think that's kind of a neat thing. I, I, I it sounds like that deer with his. You mentioned his the meat kind of being spoiled and him just being that old. I, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe God was giving doing you a favor, and also maybe at the same time doing that deer a favor because it just sounds like maybe he was kind of going downhill, and you know, I mean, that's that's a rough way to go, you know, whenever things like that happen. So I, that might be a, uh, a two for one deal. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is because that deer had a gorge through the back end of it from another deer mm. earlier. Like they were fighting and he got spiked by the horn. Hmm. That, that's wow. That's really crazy. I mean, that's a big deer and an old, very old deer. So, so you roll into the next season. Sorry, I cut you off again. Go ahead. Uh. I bow hunt, so this would be last year. I bow hunt, and I get two does, or a doe and a button buck. And then uh, I go hunting with my friend on conservation land, and uh, I do a spot and stock with conservation land because I don't like sitting up inside a tree stand with other hunters there. Because mm -hmm. I feel like the deer are too skittish anyway. But I get within 30 yards of this pack of deer, or herd of deer. There's about four in there. And I shoot the biggest doe there was in it. And then the deer run off to where my friend was sitting. And he shoots the one of the deer, the one of the does out of it. Mm-hmm. So I got a doe, a doe double. Yeah, it's pretty cool because like, I I shoot it, I go find it, then I call him up and he's like, I just got a deer. I was like, so did I. So we kind of like had a cheery moment there, and we were both freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that is awesome. I think anytime that you can double with a buddy, it's just uh, it's a really fun experience. Just getting a deer with a buddy is just a fun experience anyway. Yeah. And then so 
both of the prior deer that I shot with my bow, they only ran about 30 yards, so it's pretty nice. So you're kind of settling. It sounds like last year you were really able to kind of settle in a little bit more on your shots and really yeah. uh, gain gain some experience. You've gained experience through some challenges, and now you're you're making some better shots and things are going well, right? Yeah, I'm starting to heart, heart shot them and everything. Yeah, now that's a good feeling when that happens, and it's because uh, <laughs> I mean nothing messes with a, a bow hunter more than if you make some of those shots like you mentioned. It's just. I don't know, your heart sinks whenever I was actually today, I was going through some GoPro footage and it's the, I had, I'd saved my two bad shots that I made this past season. And I watched those and it's just kind of like, Oh man, I do not want to do that again. It's just, you know, um, you watch yeah. it and you think about everything that went wrong in that moment. And, and you know, I know now why it went wrong. And so the, big, the best thing we can do is just learn from those mistakes and do our best to, to not do it again. So, but yeah, that's, that's some good lessons learned. The button buck that I shot, he came running towards my tree stand, and uh, I've never had a buck or a deer just run straight towards the tree stand, and he kind of veered off. He was about five yards from the tree I was in, so I had to make a pretty steep angle to shoot him, and I thought a coyote scared him, so I kind of still waited there, so I didn't really see where the deer ran off because I was looking for the coyote. The coyote came out, and I shot the coyote. Oh, oh man, that's sweet. I didn't care to look for the coyote. I just know I killed him. Yeah. But the button buck, I spent an hour looking for blood. And so I was kind of like, did I seriously miss him? I couldn't find my arrow anywhere. And I was like, well, I'll go check around this trail to see if I can see where he expired or anything. And lo and behold, he's up there 30 yards from my tree stand, dead. <laughs> Just hadn't seen him yet. With the arrow still in him, I shot through the, I double lunged him, and I got it stuck inside the other shoulder blade. Yes. Yeah, that happens sometimes. I've done that. Uh, it, it, was well, it sounds like. It sounds like you had a really good year last year. Uh, with uh, was, So you had two does and a button buck? Yes. Oh man, that's fantastic! And anytime I shoot a deer, we keep one deer, and so all the rest goes to like church members or anything like that. Anybody that can't go hunting. Oh, that's cool. And we all process it ourselves, so I mean, it's cheap. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, deer, turkeys—those are the things that you're going after primarily. Any other? Uh, uh, I had a couple other questions I want to ask you, kind of going, you know, you mentioned being uh, your dad's a preacher, so I had some questions along that, but I thought, any other uh, hunting stories or anything else up your sleeve? Uh, I shot a dove last year, my first dove last year, too. Oh, that's cool. There really isn't a story behind that. I just walked out to our front yard and seen a dove flying, so I shot it. <laughs> you know, sometimes there isn't a story, but it's just fun anyway. I was getting ready to go hunting, and I seen it flying. I was like, heck, I'll just try to shoot it. That's and cool. The first duck I shot last year, uh, they were wood ducks flying everywhere. And uh, my uncle, it was just me and my uncle hunting, and he sent me to an area that he thought was going to be a lot of wood ducks. And there was none. Not a single one that came within range. 
but he was firing off like crazy where he was at. So I went over there, and one flew over, and I shot it, and uh, it landed behind him inside a lot of brush. Cause I was hunting down in Texas, and the usually the lakes in Texas have a lot of brush, buck brush, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And so we couldn't find it. Even the dogs couldn't find it. So I thought that was very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because I hate uh, animal out there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's nothing worse than that, kind of like we were just saying, with making a bad shot, you know, losing an animal, that, that stinks. Yeah. So, I wanted to, so, what I wanted to jump back to just for a second, you kind of mentioned the praying a little bit, and things like that, and um, before a hunt, I, just in, in general, I think I can ask this to you, um, just kind of put the ball into your court, what do you think about you know, I ask guys, this, you know, different guys, just their take on this. But what do you think God's kind of taught you through hunting, Andrew? Is there any, like, anything just kind of rises to the top that you think the Lord has kind of taught you through, you know, being in the outdoors? He's taught me uh, patience for sure. Because I used to not be able to sit inside a tree stand for over an hour. <laughs> yep. And he taught me to wait for his terms, not my terms. Mm. he'll deliver it whenever it's ready mm. that's good that's really good he'll deliver it when it's ready it kind of just reminds me of uh <laughs> i don't know going to a restaurant and ordering something and they bring it out too early and it's you know they bring it if you don't want your steak you know medium or rare you know then you gotta you gotta wait a little bit that's a good lesson right there huh but he's also taught me that practice is also really key you can't yeah. just up there without practice. Mm. Yeah, I think that applies to more than hunting, too. I think the more that we spend on the things that we do and, and try to do them well, I, I think about uh, what just popped in my mind was the Bible says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all as if you're doing it for the Lord. Uh, a little bit of a paraphrase there, but I, I think that the idea is, so whatever you do, do it with with do it like you're doing it for God. So that means put some practice and put some energy in and do it, do it well. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, Andrew, I mean, those are some really good stories. I mean, for a guy that's 18 years old, so you're not, you're not, not an old man by any means, but you've got some good hunting stories under your belt, man. Yep. That's awesome. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, so the turkey season, how's, I'll just talk about that for a second. How's it going so far? Have you had any uh, close encounters or it's just been, been rough again? Oh, it's been rough. Yeah. Uh, me and my dad got back together for a dual hunt first time since four years ago. And so we kind of had to hash that out a little bit. <laughs> yeah get everything squared up and uh very first time we went out we heard goggles everything and uh none of them wanted to come in and uh so then we went to a different place and there were three toms strutting and we took a risky shot that we probably shouldn't have it was like a seven-yard shot but we both completely missed so yeah uh it's just one of those your finger gets happy sometimes. 
Yeah. Oh, no, I understand. It's tough, too, I think. I don't always take a range finder with me for turkey hunting. I just kind of, you know, guess. I mean, right now I'm shooting a trad bow, so I can just walk it off, but or step it off, you know, the distance. But yeah, it is, that's tough sometimes. I think with turkeys, especially, it's hard sometimes just to really focus on, okay, how far is that bird? You get caught up in them strutting and, you know, gobbling in your face. It's a little challenging, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you uh, a good luck on the rest of turkey season. You still got a, a couple weeks left down there in Missouri? Yeah, we have two weeks left. Two weeks. All right, that's enough time. So I'm going to wish you good luck on that, all right? Thank you, and good luck with your season. Really appreciate Andrew coming on. Uh, super great young man uh, with a good heart and a uh, passion for the Lord, and that's that's always something that you uh, want to see. Really... Um, what I liked about Andrew is his desire just to be honest. Him writing me after the show saying, hey, I kind of messed up on some times. Um, we actually, truth be told, we recorded that podcast twice. The first time, Andrew just was not very comfortable, and he said, hey, would you mind if we just try and do it again? And, um, you know, I've never done that before. But he came back, and he was prepared. He knew what he wanted to say, and he did a great job telling his stories. And I just think about... Um, I don't know. I remember being 18 years old. I remember that passion that I had for the Lord, that my excitement to, uh, for going to college and getting a degree and going out and changing the world. And here I am sitting um, 33 years old now. Uh, time goes by and it just, you feel like, man, I wish I still had some of that excitement that the world, you know, kind of punches you in the teeth sometimes and you have challenges. Not to say that Andrew hasn't had any. Um, but I don't know, anybody else out there just kind of feel a little jaded? <laughs> like, uh, as time goes on, you just kind of feel like, uh, it's like this COVID thing. Kind of exciting at the beginning, it's it's chaotic, you don't know what's going to happen, but then as time goes on, you get into a routine, and you just kind of feel blah. Um, but you know what, after talking to Andrew, and uh, anytime I spend time around a, a, you know, a teenager that's... Um, you know, leaving high school, going on to the next phase, it kind of gives me some excitement too. We need to have that passion. You know, life is short. It really is. And I hope that looking back on it, whenever it's all said and done for me, I can say, hey, I did something with it. So that's my challenge for you guys today. Uh, do something with it today. Um, whether it just be a blessing to your neighbor or to do something nice for your family or go out and shoot a turkey in the last few days of season. Whatever it is, I hope that you'll do it uh, 100%. That's my encouragement for today. Thank you guys so much for listening once again. And remember to shed the light. <laughs>